one another series, just to kind of recap where we've been, the purpose that we've picked this is for us to see practical ways in which we are commanded to love one another in order to be considered true disciples of Christ. And we discover that what the Bible means when we refer to one another. We as pastors of your church, there's five of us, we want Integrity Church to know the commands of Christ and to live it out practically in a way that represents who he is. Kirk talked about loving one another, which is really the overarching theme of this series. And Mike Stewart talked about bearing with one another. And Josh Harris last week talked about considering one another. It was a very challenging message, uh, really for me personally as well. And today we're going to talk about what it means to encourage one another. Now clearly all these overlap one degree or another, but they are different emphasis. You know, when I was, a, I was a kid raised in my parents' household, I was probably 13 years old. And I was, you know, I learned from my dad because uh, we really wanted good food. My mom was a pretty good cook, but we wanted her to be even a better cook. And she became an excellent cook, quite honestly. But we would always say, oh, that was the best meal. That was great. We loved that. And so we would do that to build it up, make it seem like a great big thing. Because then she would smile and she would feel appreciated. And she would put forth even greater effort in her cooking. So, oh, well, could you try to make this or make this a little bit different? And so what we were doing is we were encouraging her uh, to make great meals. And so we wanted to celebrate what she was doing to replicate that again. So we would continue to have that. It did kind of backfire on me one time. Uh, I kind of told my mom after a meal she made, it was a casserole. I didn't really like it that much, but I didn't have the heart to tell her that it wasn't that great. So I said, yeah, that, that was good, Mom, you know. And, uh, but the bad part was the rest of my family really did love that meal. And so they said, oh, that was great. That was really good. And so as a whole, we were celebrating that casserole to be replicated, and it found its way into our regular meal rotation, which means I saw that about once a week. And so, uh, Mom, if you ever do listen to this message, I'm sorry I lied and I have not told you even to this day. Um, and so, you know, it's, some, it's kind of a Hamill trait, by the way. It's a side note, but we are known to be very persistent. At least that's what I call it. My wife calls it stubbornness, but uh, it's probably more accurate. But we, we wanted to celebrate to replicate. And so, really, what we're going to see this morning is we as believers are to encourage one another in holiness. And as we celebrate holiness in each other's lives, we want to see that replicated. So our main passage this morning is going to be in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in uh, chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. Uh, You can turn there or turn on your Bibles. There are Bibles in front of you and the pews as well, and we'll have it on the screen. In 1 Thessalonians... We read, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and they admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. 
See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. The one big idea that I want you to take away from this morning is to, as we are to encourage one another with intentionality. We are to encourage each other with intentionality. It is a gospel matter. It makes a difference. To give you some background on the Thessalonians and the Thessalonian church that Paul is writing to, they needed assurance about those who had died and their own destiny at the second coming. Paul and his companions had been forced out of the city that they planted this church in before they could fully teach about the second coming of Jesus and their destiny. Some of the Thessalonian church had died, and they were not confident about their friends and their family members who had died before them. And they had questions, and they had anxiety about that. They didn't fully understand what was going to happen. So it's one of the main reasons that Paul penned this letter to the Thessalonians. And again, going back to our main passage, chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So those two verses, they really encapsulate a major concern that the believers at Thessalonica had. As you can see in the text, those who are awake simply means those that are currently living and breathing and walking. Those that have already run the full course of what God has given them above ground are those that are asleep, those that have died. So one of the main reasons, again, Paul penned this letter to the recipients in Thessalonica is to encourage them and to instruct them in regards to the details of salvation fully realized as far as how that works for those who have already died. Where are they? They are with their Lord in glory. Essentially, they could be confident about those who were destined to repent and believe in the gospel, that they would receive the inheritance of eternal glory and the joy of fellowship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope, and that is our joy, and that's what the Thessalonians' hope and joy was as well. This is the great exchange. Jesus, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, took on the sins of the elect and paid the penalty that his people deserved to pay and applied his righteousness to them. Again, this is only for true followers of Jesus, those who have devoted their lives to the gospel. And so that is what Paul was doing with those two verses. He was setting their minds at ease and explaining what was happening to them and those who have already died before them. In verse 11 in chapter 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So when we see therefore, in other words, in light of our eternal destiny, in light of the last two verses we just read, we know that we are to build one another up. You know, our life is really short. It is, it is a mist. James tells us that in James chapter 4, verses, verse 14. He says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, you can see a mist in the wintertime when you breathe, and you can see it for a second, and it's gone. 
So that's what he's comparing your life to. It is very, very short. It's here, and then it is gone. And so we are to encourage each other. A lot of things distract us in our lives. Just trying to make a living. Is it not difficult to make a living in this world? It is. The thorns and the thistles as a result of Adam's sin of taking and eating the fruit and the, from the tree that he was not supposed to take and eat from in the Garden of Eden created difficulty to make a living, the thorns and the thistles. Is it not difficult to care for loved ones who are sick and ailing? Or are you sick and ailing yourselves? It's not, is it not hard to care for young children, for babies that are crying and keep you up at night? You find out there's a 3 o'clock in the morning, there's a 4 o'clock in the morning that you didn't ever have to see before, and now you do. And then you also have to get up and go to work and wake up at 6. It's difficult. All these things, these different sorts of trials we experience in our life can be difficult. And we can become easily self-focused in our attitudes and our actions. We lose sight of our eternal destiny. We can get caught up in the mist, the short period of our time that we have in this life. We get caught up in the mist of this life and lose sight of what really matters for eternity. We can become selfish versus selfless. It can creep in without us even noticing. It happens to us. We are, it happens. We, we, our culture around us can cause that to happen. The here and now can consume our minds if we're not careful. You know, as we're closing out the One Another series today, I want to take a quick survey of some other phrases I found in the short book in in 1 Thessalonians alone that talked about one another. In chapter 3, verse 12, we read, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. As we abound or overflow in love for one another, God uses that to prepare our hearts to be blameless in holiness at the second coming of Jesus. Did you get that? We have an incredibly crucial role to play in each other's lives. God uses us as his instruments to establish our hearts blameless in holiness so that we are prepared and are looking forward to the second coming of Christ. That's a very high responsibility and role that we have in each other's lives. What if Jesus were to come back today? Or what if you were to leave here, go to lunch, get in a car crash, and die? What if that were to happen today? Would you be prepared? Or would you be ashamed because of your lack of holiness? Brothers and sisters, we play a role in each other's lives as we are to encourage each other and point each other to Jesus and point each other to holiness. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. You know, 
this description that we have of the Thessalonian church, it, do, it reminds me of Integrity Church. It's not so different to me. As one of the pastors here, I have to say that you are indeed showing this kind of love towards one another. But I also want to encourage you to do that more and more. Any time that I have been to Panera Bread in the morning, I don't go there that often, but I go often enough to meet someone there to talk through the Bible or, or sin issues or just to encourage each other. But any time that I have ever been there, doesn't matter what time of the day, I almost, actually I could say, I think I could say always see someone from Integrity Church reading through the Bible with someone else, going through difficult issues with each other or just encouraging each other and building each other up. I see that all the time. And I'm sure there's other restaurants in Greenville who do that too, but I just don't go to those. But it's encouraging to see that. It does my heart good to see you doing that. On Sundays, I am super encouraged to see great conversations happening. You know, we come, we meet together, we sing together, uh, we hear a message, but we're not the church that everyone's out the back door right away. And they stay, for the most part, a lot of you stay and have great conversations. Real conversations lead to real relationships. You've heard us say that before, and I'm encouraged to see that happening quite often. You one thing I try to do every Sunday is I try to have at least one real conversation with someone in our church every Sunday. And I tell you that not to lift myself up because that's actually probably a very low bar to set. But I want you guys to consider that too as we come together and as we meet What better opportunity do we have? We're already here, but to have a serious, engaging conversation with a brother and sister here and to really ask, how are you, brother? Really, how are you? Not just to talk about what your plans are for the 4th of July, where you're going to go, what what game was on, anything like that, but to go a deep, a level, level deeper to really care for each other. Going back to our main text, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, as we will continue to work through it verse by verse. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. You know, it seems that some in the Thessalonican church, Thessalonian, I can't say that right, some in that church, may not be respecting their pastors who work hard and take charge to shepherd this portion of God's bride. And they take the time to admonish and to teach them in the Lord. And it seems that some are not respecting them. One of the themes that we have had for all of 2017 that we said as pastors is healthy church. And we want to talk about healthy church, and that's a theme we have. And this is one of the things that kind of addresses that. As pastors and congregation of Integrity Church and the Church of Thessalonica, we have a role to play to be at peace among each other and to encourage one another. That is crucial to be a healthy church. Have you ever watched an elderly couple who has maybe got married at a young age and they love to dance. And they've learned to dance. And they've danced from the time they were in their early 20s. And they may be 70 or 80 or 90 years old. But they still love to dance. It's an incredible thing 
to watch. It's amazing to watch how effortless and smooth their steps are. They're fully aware of each other in a way that it's like it's muscle memory. They know their surroundings and they don't even really seem to have to think about it. It's especially fun to watch when they are obviously in love with each other. When they smile together and they have great body language as they see each other. I don't ever expect to be this couple because I have two left feet. I don't dance, but it's, a, it's an amazing thing to watch. If you haven't seen that, pay attention when you go to weddings and watch some of that. I saw that at a wedding recently. In the same way that a couple like this is in lockstep together, we as pastors and congregation need to be in lockstep together. Although it will never be perfect, we want to do, pursue that. Every one of our roles is clearly of crucial importance as we are one body. We all have got to work together to encourage each other. As pastors, if we don't encourage you and labor among you and care for you and teach well and teach carefully, we are not doing our part. If you as congregation, members of our church, don't respect the work we do or esteem your pastors, the result is that you will gossip and begin to cause divisions and factions among our body. Or, unfortunately, some may leave the church without even speaking to one of the pastors. This is unfortunate, as almost always both parties have things that we can learn from each other. And quite often, some of the differences could have just been communicated out. This also does not sit well with loving and encouraging one another as that is not a mature way of leaving and actually creates more problems. I'm just reading this to you. This is a little difficult passage, but it's what the Bible says. It's what we have. We are to respect your elders. We are to care for you. It's both. We have to do that together and lockstep together. Verse 14 and 15, chapter 5. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. There's several things here. I'm just going to walk through them fairly quick. The idle or the disruptive. Some versions have the word disruptive. It may be those who are not pulling their weight and working to provide for the families. That's one option. It could be those that are disruptive, those that are not in step with the direction of the church and become critical. And eventually they become rebels that undermine the leadership of the church to justify their attitudes. This is obviously divisive. These people need to be admonished or warned in a loving way that is uh, as this consistent character issue, if they continue to act this way and behave this way and be divisive and to be disruptive, it's not characteristic of a true believer. So they need to be warned in that. The faint-hearted, the worried, who are afraid to take risks to further the gospel, they prefer a safer road. The people in this camp are to be encouraged. We need to build them up to move a more healthy direction in their lives for the gospel. The weak could be those that are fragile in the faith, and they may have doubts, causing them to be susceptible to falling into different kinds of sins. 
So what we need to do with them is we need to come alongside and we need to help them, these brothers and sisters. It doesn't just mean just saying stop doing that. It means we actually have to spend time getting into each other's lives and doing true discipleship. And above all, I think we see we are not to retaliate. It's pretty clear. We are to seek to do good to one another and to everyone. How do you react when you are sinned against? Think about that. Watch yourself. I have to think about that too. To bring this back full circle, picking it back up in verse 11 of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. I've already read it, but just that part. We are to encourage one another and to build one another up. Again, the big idea is we are to encourage one another with intentionality because it is a gospel matter. So I'm going to put some meat on the bones. I'm going to explain, okay, what, is that, what does that actually look like? How does that play out? And this is not a comprehensive list. These are just a few things that I thought of. First, are you the type of person that comes to church just as it starts or a little late and the first one to jet for the door after the service? What better opportunity do we have as believers, as we're already here meeting together, to encourage a brother or sister? I've heard some people in the past, and I've probably been guilty of saying this before. Yeah, but I'm introverted. I don't like crowds, and I, I I I don't like that. Well, I've had to get over it, and I'll tell you to get over that as well. If we're here, we've got to learn to love each other. It's part of being a healthy church. So let's think of others as more important than ourselves. Better yet, there are even numerous places that you can serve that we need help in. You can volunteer to serve, and in the process, you can encourage those that you're serving with. And Integrity Kids, it's a great place. I've heard great stories of people serving back there with the kids. They get to spend time with them and teach them scripture. And we try to have the same teachers as much as possible back there. And those two teachers that are back there, they get an opportunity to get to know each other. And they can try to encourage each other. Set up and tear down. We have teams that do that. Hospitality. We have hospitality teams that make other people feel welcome as they come into our church. It's a way of loving one another. You could serve in all these ways, and at the same time, you can get to know the people you are serving with and to encourage them. You know, many of you know Chris Wilson and the team that we sent out from Integrity uh, to Wilmington to plant a church. And we had a, a great service send off here uh, quite some time ago as we sent them out and it was it was a beautiful picture it was wonderful but when is the last time that you and i have really encouraged chris and his team a phone call a text you can do a handwritten letter i hear you can still do that you could even go and visit yeah they would love that They need that. Take a Sunday off from here and go see them. Encourage them. They would absolutely love that. They need it. What about our overseas missionaries? Because this is recorded, I'm not going to say who they are, but we know who we're talking about. What about our overseas missionaries? When's the last time you've taken the time to send them an email or try to reach out to them to communicate? Send them a package. What about some of your pastors? What about some of your small group leaders? What about just another member in our church? When's the last time you've purposely thought about how to encourage them and build them up in the Lord? 
Encouragement is for the purpose of building others up in Christ. Make sure you're doing that and doing it intentionally. Encourage one another with intentionality is a gospel matter. In other words, we need to purposely think about how you can encourage someone in their faith to build them up. So we need to purposely do that. I think a lot of times we shoot from the hip. You know, it's, it's easy just to say, hey, uh, you know, it's great to hear. Uh, Matt, you did a great job with the band. Thanks for doing that. Uh, brother, thanks for, thanks for serving in hospitality. It means a lot when I see you there. And we're just kind of shooting from the hip, and none of that is bad. That can be helpful too. But who have you really purposely and intentionally thought about to encourage? It takes some planning. It takes some thought process. And we need to do that as well. It matters. I think Paul had a much higher level of encouragement that he is pointing us to. To encourage each other means you need to be present on Sunday and in small groups when they kick back off again. Or in the summer, you come to our discipleship seminars. Just to be present. Not in a legalistic way, but consistent, regular attendance whenever it is possible to be with us. Sometimes your mere presence alone is encouraging. Just being there is encouraging. So please come, attend, and encourage each other. Now I'm going to read, uh, this is probably the passage that I would have preferred to preach on, uh, but we actually printed out the First Thessalonians uh, quite some time ago, and it's been good to hear this too. But I'm going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and then I'm going to pray, and then we can, we'll be finished. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, it reads, Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That passage really summarizes my entire sermon. Let me just pray for us, and we'll continue.